one. Welcome to 30 Minute Review. I'm Adam. And we're I'm Peter. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry. It's, like, it's like when it's they were doing... Coffee. It's like a coffee episode. Yeah, it's like how on... Cough a lot. It, on uh, what was that? Um, Smodcast. Now that uh, they're doing it with Scott over Skype. But, like, it's so hard to do this. I'm like, yeah, really? Like They're doing it across different countries, too. Yeah, well, it's hard to coordinate time. It's just like running it through this. We don't have it too much. We we okay. Let me let me rephrase that. Since I've gotten the new computer and the new high end microphone, we haven't had too many issues. Like back when I was running off my laptop, it, it would take us a good forty five minutes to get started because nothing ever worked right. But Skype would like shit the bed and the Hangouts. And then we went to Google Hangouts, and then my headset wouldn't always connect. Now I got this Turtle Beach streaming microphone. Um, and everything's working fine now. So we, like, literally, we just, I, I said, okay, we're ready, and then we went on. Like, we, we, that is this, what happened. this usually never happened. Um, so, uh, before we get started, let's have a quick housekeeping thing. Um, for those of you who, uh, are listening and aren't aware, um, we do have a website. I don't think we've plugged the website in a season and a half. Um, so let me just go ahead and do that. Uh, if you go to 30minutereviews.com, we have episode listings, links to the episodes. I have to update that part still. Um, but uh, we will start advertising, not on the show itself, on the website. Um, and while we do that, we will have um, a link of our affiliates. Um, Is it uh, the number 30 or the word 30? The word 30. The word 30. Um, there's a link, I think, if, you, if, if you're listening to this on Spreaker, um, which is our, our, our server host um, for the audio, um, then there's a, there should be a link on our, um, on our profile. But if you're listening to it from an, uh, from an iPhone, if you just take the, how it's written in the title and just take out all the spaces and put .com, that's the one. Um, and I did put up a review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 on there. It's a text review because um, Peter still hasn't seen the movie. Um, so we, we haven't been able to do our, our full beware of spoilers yet. Um, and we will do that as soon as he sees it, but for now you can read that to get my thoughts on it. And we will be selling ad space. We just have a 14 day, uh, wait period before we can actually put the ads up because I update. It's so stupid. When you join and update the profile, it counts as changing your profile. Mm -hmm. So... Because of that, it's like all of your advertisers need to be able to read over your changes, but I hadn't applied to be any adver uh, advertise anyone yet. So like now we we have a bunch of people who are like, yeah, go ahead use our use our links, and then um, it's just like uh, we can't put them up yet because we have to wait for the fourteen day wait period to be over, which is ridiculous because they read the update already because they're new. So oh well. Um, so yeah, so we we will be doing. I'll be trying to update with more frequent posts on there because like if you if you looked, um, I that's did, what I was just doing. Yeah, I did the the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two review, um, and I did a review of the game Deformers, which I'm going to talk about on here today. A scathing review. Yeah, because I was not happy with this game. Uh, we'll cover that a little bit later, but like I I've never been this pissed off that I bought a video game before, and I've bought a lot of bad video. games. And if he you has. listen to the show, you know I bought on release day No Man's Sky for fifty nine ninety nine. You know that I not only bought on release day, but I pre-ordered the Legacy Edition of Call of Duty uh, Infinite Warfare 
on release day. And uh, that was the best one because you predicted exactly what was going to happen. And then, yeah, yeah. So that 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 one hurt a little bit more. It, it like it hurt my soul a little bit for uh, for that to happen. But um, we're gonna this this one is the worst though. This 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 is the worst offender, and I'll explain why toward the end of the show. We have our our weekly movie review. Uh, Caligula this week. Um, oh yeah. I thought it was gonna be worse. Like, uh, like worse as a movie or worse as in the content? Worse as a movie. Because like, I went in expecting it to basically be hardcore porn. Like, it's, I, a, I, it's a very, it's a pretty solid movie. There's yeah, the like movie itself is much, like, there's I think way too much sex stuff in there, it. There could be a fan, I, I see a fan edit version of the movie. Now granted, there are some scenes that are plot heavy, but just have a lot of weird establishing shots of like a vagina and stuff like that. Yes. Um, In the middle of it that you can't quite Are we reviewing the movie now? Or are we gonna, no, 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 no. It's like a I'm, teaser. It's just a teaser, like, but like, oh, okay. yeah, because like, but if you cut out a good amount of this, the the sex, do you know why it's so good? I looked it up. Do you know who the why? original writer was of the original script that got uh, changed up by uh, Malcolm McDowell and um, a executive producer from Esqu- uh, Penthouse? It was Gore Vidal, right? Yes. Yeah. Who wrote Who wrote Ben Hur, the Academy yeah, that's Award winning? That's why uh, it's like, it feels epic. like an epic. Also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that more later. But uh, as we always do, we have our news stories first. Um, uh, um, first of all, th- this is just something that I didn't have the news story, but it- it's been on a lot on Google News almost every day since it came out. Um, Thirteen Reasons Why came out on um, Netflix last month, and we never really addressed that. And apparently, that's a. This looks like a dumb. Looks like a dumb show. Well, it's just a it's a cultural phenomenon at this point, and we just didn't ever address it. Like we was like, okay, whatever. But I never read the book, but apparently, a lot of people have a problem with the fact that they show how the girl killed herself graphically on the show. On the show. Ooh, now like that's what the, we're talking about. Like she she slits her wrists in a bathtub. Like, and it's it's graphic. Like not for nudity, but like. It, it like I I saw the scene and it's just a little bit cringy to see that. Yeah. Like um and and then it's like it stays where she dies and then the mother walks in and finds her body, but the, the in the book they never really say how she kills herself even. So there's a in the book she comes back at the end. No 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 um but in but the he, book I just looked it up they um she doesn't uh cassette tapes. Yes. That she deserves to die. <laughs> what asshole would leave behind a bunch of cassette tapes? Yeah. Um, but she, um, I think showing, this is just my two cents, having never read the book or watched the TV show, but knowing the book didn't show the suicide, but the TV show does, I think it's just a fundamental disconnect between what the suicide meant in the book to what it meant in the, uh, in the TV show. Because the book, it, I don't think in the book it meant it was like like it happened and it drives the plot, but it's not the focus. Like how Doesn't, she killed um, herself isn't important. Why she killed herself is. I'm pretty sure it also does a good job of glorifying suicide for yeah, exactly. people, for young teens. Yeah. Now and, my... making, it, and making it seem like because isn't <laughs> isn't it kind of like, um revenge stuff basically she kills herself 
for like for 13 the 13 people interfered in her life and caused her life to be shitty and then she killed herself and blames these 13 people creates the 13 tapes and uh sent them to them after she dies that's it and then they all like feel bad right right they all feel bad for causing it um but like i i i don't know i feel like uh this I still think the funniest thing to come out of this, this, this is the reason why I brought it up, was Hulu did something on Twitter. And what? each... I, I don't remember what Hulu Hulu said. It, it did something like shy at Netflix and, or sly at Netflix, what? and then Netflix tweeted back at Hulu, this is your tape. Which is how <laughs> each... Which is how each episode starts out, because like, the person saying this is your tape about... It's I kind of like that. That's kind of funny. Okay, but... Now let's think about this for a second. Let's now they're making fun of suicide. Now, now they're making fun of suicide. That's one thing. Another thing is, think about what it's implying. Is, okay, we're going to kill ourselves now, but this is why we did it, and it's all your fault. Like, it doesn't imply they're going to get back. They're not getting back at Hulu in any way. Because they're kind of just admitting, this is, okay, because you said that, we're going to kill ourselves now. <laughs> that, that's um, how you can interpret that. I was going. Wikipedia does a good job of summarizing the tape, the subject of each tape in one sentence. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some of them are like kind of funny, like tape episode three, tape two, side A, tape subject Alex Standall for listing Hannah's ass as the best one in school to get Jessica Davis jealous so he could be more popular. Hmm. This one is kind of crazy. Um, where, where is this? Oh yeah, okay. This is episode 9, tape 5, side A. Subject, Justin Foley, for allowing Bryce to rape his girlfriend. Oh, um, but that, that has nothing to do with her. I guess she knew. Is, is she oh, no. But then the Bryce, girlfriend? spoiler alert, even though I've never seen this, uh, Bryce it rapes her also. Oh, okay. So I that... guess they had, a, they had a serial rapist at the school. Yeah, I guess. I feel Apparently like suicide didn't help too. that. Apparently they kill someone too. At some oh point. yeah, okay. That is episode ten, tape five, side B. Sherry Holland for abandoning Hannah after she crashed her car into a stop sign, which later caused the death of another student. So I guess they knocked over the stop sign. Into the see this and this. <laughs> this is like Final Destination. I think it's like uh, <laughs> it's like that branch best- that was hanging down on Washington Avenue. Gonna, the best kill um, someone one day. The best tape is the last one because it's all. It sounds like an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> because it's the tape subject, Mister Porter, for not believing Hannah was suicidal. <laughs> so all I imagine is that is like the episode starts. And she goes to her teacher, and she's like, "I'm suicidal," and he's like, "No, you're not." And in the episode, like Hannah commits suicide. <laughs> Yeah, I I I I don't want to watch the show. It just because... it just seems like I'm not gonna watch. It just seems like preachy bullshit. Yeah, that it, is not it's... actually entertaining. It's I mean, just like faking. The book people, is like, used in happen. high schools as like reading material. Like classes are forcing oh. to read this book. Like, I kind of like that idea of letting people read more modern books that are good, but that's not a modern book that I think is good. I mean, I kind of made a book is good. Well, here's the thing about about reading is it, it can help provide context for what you're what you're learning. And then we're getting completely off topic here. We don't usually talk about this, but like when um, 
I was in a program in high school where they they tied together the English class and the history class. So you would read fiction based around based on the time period you were studying in your history class. That's pretty cool. So like we started. I did that on my history class. So like in ninth grade, we were reading like the Epic of Gilgamesh while learning about ancient civilizations, and then uh, Romeo and Juliet, and we were covering that period. Um, and then in in U.S. history, we read the Crucible, and you know that kind of stuff. Um, Risen Sun when we got to that time period. I think substituting out these things for more re- more recent fiction that will appeal to teenagers isn't written on a good reading level for that. I agree. Yeah, it doesn't like, really. If, if you're gonna use the Hunger Games no to teach deeper, about dystopia, like, understanding like right. with the Crucible, you can go into like the symbolism and then go into the blacklist and like yeah, communism and stuff. But like, and it's just you... written. If you wanted to replace like 1984 with The Hunger Games, that wouldn't work as well because The Hunger Probably Games isn't well written. Um, the main character is too passive for anything to actually happen, um, which was one of the complaints people had about Rogue One. Actually, that the main character doesn't ever actually act; she gets acted upon, which is what happens to Katniss through the majority of the entire trilogy of The Hunger Games. I'd also be kind of mad if a school made me read like three book, like a trilogy. Yeah, that, that'd class. be a bit much. And a trilogy that really loses its way at the end. I think we talked about it when we talked about the movies, the Hunger Games. But by the time you get to the end of it, it's like they completely yeah. Where the third book is like almost universally disliked. Yeah, like and then it's like you get to the last two, um, the last two chapters where everyone goes like pants on head, retarded, and it's like you know what? Let's start another Hunger Games. And it's like what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they did that in the movie, and I was like, wait, why? Like I thought you would if you you had the liberty to cut this out. Why didn't you? Like I don't think anyone would be like, you know what? Where's that scene where everyone decides they need to start another Hunger Games just for the hell of it? Like I, but that that wouldn't like I I think you need to use things that are you know, like obviously the Hunger Games does have some roots in like 1984 and that kind of stuff because of the whole you know always being watched and the Big Brother aspect of it. But I, I think you need to read the original. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, 1984 is that hard to read. Right, exactly. It's a very short book, too. I read it before uh, 10th grade for a reading project. Um, so, uh, so this week's news, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 came out. So, um, oh, I can't even do the other story I had, because it'll spoil one of the post credit scenes for you. Um, Darn. So, uh, James Gunn's been talking a lot about what he wanted to do. And he revealed which Fox character he would have used in the trilogy at some point if they had the rights. Um, and that would be Annihilus. The, uh, the, what's I called? don't know who that is. He is a Fantastic Four villain who was discovered because he is the um, the ruler of the Negative Zone. Uh, okay. So they, they obviously can't use him because they can't use the Negative Zone um, or anything like that. So, um, so there's that. Um, yeah, there was almost a Deadpool reference in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That's what the post credit scene joke is. Uh, the thing is, there was almost a Deadpool reference in it. Um, but they, apparently they filmed it, and it's in the deleted scenes. What? The, 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 Deadpool, the Deadpool reference ah. for volume, for, in the, in one of the post credit scenes. Um, because, like, uh... I'm trying to find a way to talk about it. like it's a scene they get subbed out with another with a, another line another throwaway line. Uh-huh. I, th- I I think um, the Deadpool joke would have been too not safe for 
the market that Marvel goes for. Mm-hmm. Um, and once Peter sees it, we'll talk about the the thing. But <laughs> I said I said they should have done this after I saw the movie. Because it's like the way they set it up, they set up the the final the, the last post credit scene. You could have done this. You could have referenced the X-Men. You could have referenced Spider-Man. You could have referenced anything. But they go with Civil War. But they so, pushed out. Exactly. They went with Civil War. So that was um, that was one of my biggest concerns. Um, now, there was a new, uh, a new thing about Infinity War, which comes out next year, which is something else that I, I had a, a weird feeling about. The fact that next year is 2018. Because uh, they one of the later stories talks about 2018, and I'm like, wow, that's so far away. I'm like, no, that's next year. Um, is so uh, Robert Downey Jr. put on his Twitter. I think this is, um, which is of as Guardian Iron Man armor. Um, it's Facebook where he put this. Um. Let me just send you the link so you can take a look at this and uh, give your thoughts on what you think of the armor. Um, in the <coughs> comics, he does have armor from Asgard. That's the wrong thing. Oh, wait, I can just do share screen. Just send me the link. It's easier. Oh, okay. And there you go. <coughs> um, so the, the, um, he does have the, the armor. Because basically what happens is Thor gives him a bunch of, like, the Aura Forge metal. Um, uh-huh. To create an armor, and he go and he's like, you know what? Thor's gonna turn on me one day. He's testing me, and he creates a Thorbuster armor. And then Thor decides he's a fucking idiot and beats the shit out of him. And uh, as as what happens anytime he creates a Buster armor, that happens. So uh, with the exception of in Age of Ultron, and uh, so now he's got the picture of the Asgardian armor that he put up on his um, on his Facebook. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I hope that's not the design they go with for um, the space armor because we already have Starshoot, I think it's called, uh, the codenamed armor that he made in Iron Man 3, which I think survived Iron Man 3. Um, Who knows? So yeah, that that would be... Uh, and that's what they should just do, just go with that armor. Um, not that it matters. Um, moving on to comics. We don't have too many comic stories that we cover, but Jim Starlin hates... Um, slabbing comics. You know what slabbing is? Yeah, I don't know what those words mean. So, slabbing is when they take the comic and, like, get it uh, verified that it's authentic and signed and put it inside something so that way it can never be touched again. And it keeps the authenticity of it intact. Oh, okay. So people are paying this company called the Certified Guarantee Company to verify that these are authentic. People pay a lot of money to this to, to be. It's called graded and verified as real. It's like when you when you look online and you're trying to buy individual trading cards. It says like um, pristine or whatever it is. They have to go through this company and get them verified as that. Otherwise, you can't make that claim. So uh, Jim Starlin, how is it unopenable? Well, no, they they seal they sealed up. You can open it, but why would you? If you're gonna buy pay as much money for a oh, comic, okay. it's just like a really it's a protective case, right? For it. Um, so Jim Starlin, who's known for creating Thanos, um, he, he said, folks, you don't, he, uh, I hereby disavow any association with the certified guarantee company and will not be signing any further books where they are involved. Folks, you don't need, you don't freaking need to pay good money to prove a signature is authentic. If the book is signed by me, 
It's been at that convention, and you've seen me sign it. True. I mean, he's right. Sort of. it's, it's ridiculous that another company's making money off. Yeah, that's like, it's the, if you're selling it to someone and they want to get it certified, that's up to them. Right. Um, but you don't need to, like, bring it to, like, a company to do that. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't have to before you sell it. It should be up to the person buying. Like, I don't even want to say that. Um, or you can just Google a signature and be like, this looks close enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, if I'm going for a personal collection and it, it's like, I think if I'm going to show off to people, like, I got Jim Starlin's autograph on a copy of Infinity, of, uh, the, uh, what's it called, um, Infinity Gauntlet, then I, I guess I just be like, look, and then someone, who's going to come in and go, you know what? I don't think that's actual yet. I think someone coming in and looking at it would be like, oh, that's cool. Like, um, so that's, uh, he, he's completely cut them off and rightfully so, I think. Um, one other, I forgot about this one, one other Marvel story. Um, Kevin Feige has updated the state of the relationship between the Fantastic Four and Marvel Studios. Um, so where, where now we have Spider-Man crossing over and, uh, the trade that happened for Ego the Living Planet. I think we talked about that last week. Um, the uh, trade for Ego. Uh, for ne- Negasonic got traded to Fox and Ego got traded to um, Marvel. Um, yeah. So what they what they said is he was asked by Collider whether or not Marvel and 20th Century Fox are in talks for collaboration involving the characters and he said he, he firmly ruled out the possibility. No, but I would not I would say there's not like there's anything frozen that needs to be thawed. There's no weirdness because it's very cut and dry. They're doing their thing and doing it quite well in most regards with the exception of X-Men Apocalypse and Fantastic Four, um, and we're doing our thing. He didn't throw them under the bus like that. I ad-libbed that, that part where he <laughs> where he named, he named didn't name-drop the two bad movies. Yeah, he, I think they want to keep it cordial. <laughs> it's weird. He did it while coughing, too. Like, no one was going to notice what happened. Like, <laughs> um, so, so in the near future, it doesn't look like that's going to be, you know, happening. Um, if I'm, if I'm Fox, though, why wouldn't you? Like, you're not making money on the Fantastic Four movies. You're losing money at this point. Um, so I don't know why you'd even bother. Oh, the Yankees are getting killed in the top of the second. <coughs> the um, Mets were winning and had lost in the last inning. Yeah, the Yankees had a doubleheader today because the uh, game yesterday got rained out. And uh, today's Derek Jeter day. And they won the first game. And uh, the second game, they're losing 8 nothing in the top of the second. So now the Yankees have retired every also, number. The the Mets, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, during a locker room con- press conference, someone left a giant black dildo in the locker in the background. <laughs> that's that's classy. Yes. Um. So, uh, the um. Yeah, the Yankees they should they should try to, you know, pull it out and win this one for for Jeter. He number the number two is the last single digit number to be retired by the Yankees. They have now retired every single digit number. Including the number eight twice. So good for them. Um we have box office projections for movies coming out in June and July. Um the two big ones that really all we care about, let's be honest, on this show. Uh Wonder Woman. Is projected to make sixty-five million dollars opening week. <laughs> so, how for reference, um, it'll make it the lowest opening weekend 
for the DC extended universe. I don't remember the numbers of the first three movies, but they all made over a hundred million. And this would be the lowest superhero movie opening weekend since Captain America: The First Avenger in 2011, which also made 65 million, but not accounting for inflation. In counting for in- inflation, it would be if it opened this year and did the same box office, it would have made 72 million. Um, because inflation's not that big of a deal between 2011 and now, but it, it is. It is uh, bigger. Um, now the other one is uh spider uh spider-man homecoming um and box office pro um just for reference for how accurate they are with predicting this they predicted gardens of the galaxy would make a hundred and a hundred and fifty million dollars north america opening weekend um they were off it was 146.5 million was how much it actually made. Um, well we all if if spider-man does make more money then Wonder Woman. It just shows how sexist the movie industry is. I, I, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna. You know, I think, I think you probably make that case actually. Because Wonder Woman doesn't. I, I think the problem is Warner Brothers isn't hyping up uh, Wonder Woman. I yeah, I think they're afraid to now because everyone gets mad at them. Um, so the next Marvel movie, which is Spider-Man: Homecoming, is going to be opening at 135 million, according to this projection. Um, which would put it at the second highest opening for a Spider-Man movie, uh, just behind the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, the the first Spider-Man movie. Oh uh, no no no! Okay, hang on. That was completely ridiculous the way I said that. The number one movie is Spider-Man Three. The number two movie is the is uh, Spider-Man the first one from two thousand two. Um, it'd be just behind Spider-Man Three, which made one hundred fifty one million as opening weekend. Isn't that fucking crazy? That in two thousand seven. Made a hundred and fifty one million dollars its opening weekend. Like, maybe maybe I'm the only one who's amazed by that. But that's a lot of money in two thousand seven. Like, um Oh wait, never mind. I was wrong. It wouldn't be the lowest since Captain America because the main Spider Man did come out in two thousand twelve. Um that made sixty two million. So it would beat out the amazing Spider Man. So they got that uh-huh. Um it also would uh, debatably uh, beat out this weekend of Guardians of the Galaxy, which only made sixty-three million. Um, I'm surprised by that. It's it's a it's kind of a big drop off, and it's um, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is already the third biggest opening worldwide, and the third biggest movie uh, gross to date worldwide at six hundred thirty million. Mm. Um. The number one movie is The Fate of the Furious, and the number two, uh, the number one movie is Beauty and the Beast at one point two billion, and then Fate of the Furious is at one point one billion. Guardians of the Galaxy is just behind at six hundred thirty million. Um, King Arthur bombed. In case you were curious about that, yeah, I don't think anyone is surprised by that. <laughs> Fourteen million dollars at opening weekend. Every time uh, I saw something for that, I thought it was for the show Vikings. <laughs> Uh, and the new Amy Schumer comedy, uh, Snatched, came out um, to $17.5 million. Um, so that's uh, not great either. Um, in case you were curious, The Fate of the Furious is not doing as well as Fast 6, according to Box Office Mojo, after 31 days. Uh, the Fate of the Furious is actually behind in the domestic box office. But the international box office is all that matters for Fast and the Furious. 
Um, because it only made two hundred million, but it's over a billion so far. Because China loves it for some reason. Um, and so Vin Diesel's very popular in China. Yeah. Um, and he's also for his Xander Cage movie that made a shit ton of money, but most of it was from like not America. Yeah. Um, and they um because he the rest of the cast in the movie are all like famous people from other countries. He hmm. was very smart. Um, and then we have first sequels. Mar- uh, they compare uh, the ten day total for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two to Iron Man Two. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two beating out, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is also beating out Guardians of the Galaxy after ten days, um, two forty six to one seventy. That's a substantial lead over uh, the precursor movie. Usually, sequels don't make as much as the original. Um, uh-huh. So, one other movie story. Um, you remember how the last year or two years at this point, we've been hearing a lot of making something great again. Yes. Do you know what the newest thing people are trying to make great again? What? Power Rangers. Oh, I had no reason to do that. <laughs> um, so it's uh, there's a new Facebook group called Make Power Rangers Great Again for All Ages, which basically means make the children's show I never grew out of appeal to me in the 20s, early 30s. Yeah, exactly. Like, if children still like it, I think. <laughs> it's like, it's like. I, I liked this when I was a kid, and I want to be able to justify still liking it now without sounding pathetic. So let me let let's see if we can make this more you know adultish. So they that's what this group I guess aims to do. Um, not to say I didn't like the Power Rangers movie that came out. Um, I did like it, but it, um, it, the sequel is not likely to happen, or less likely to happen now that the uh, movie is opened in China. To only 1.3 million opening weekend, um, which is not good for a Chinese release. Um, now this is what the what the page says. I like you assume. No, okay, hang on. I like you. I assume don't want a bad movie to be the end of the Power Rangers franchise. Let's just take a step, um, step back. That movie wasn't bad per yeah. se. It was just. Like, <coughs> what did you expect? Yeah, like, exactly. Like I went into the movie knowing full well what was behind it. Like I, I, after I no, I didn't know going into it. What I, I I think I texted you right after. It felt like Project Almanac meets uh, Chronicle, but with Power Rangers in it. And it's because it was directed by the guy who did Project Almanac and written by Max Landis partially, who wrote partially uh, Chronicle. And it had Power Rangers in it. I don't know what you expected beyond teen angst, then people punching each other, then robots punching a giant monster. I don't know how you can make that mature. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, at its core, Power Rangers is a bunch of people in tights, in this case Iron Man armors, um, coming together and punching something so hard they're like, okay, we gotta make this thing really big now, and then calling giant animal robots to fuse together into a giant humanoid robot, and then punching the monster with the giant humanoid robot. And sparks fly everywhere. Exactly. 
I, I don't know. What are you expecting? So it goes on and continues. Um, that, that sentence didn't end with end of the Power Rangers franchise. It said, expanding to audiences beyond little children. I I don't know. Like, what are you expecting out of this? Like, you're not going to get, like, Saving Private Ryan, but with Power Rangers. Or, like, Schindler's List, but with Power That would actually be pretty uh, messed up, I think. <laughs> um, you're not going to get either of those, but, like... I don't know what you're what you're hoping for. I mean, it does make sense now why we'll Lionsgate needed to take our money um, from the advertising. That one episode we played six seconds of uh, City of Stars in, um, but I, I guess it, this power move really didn't do that good. Um, I would like to create a like mind a platform for like minded people to gather and do something about it. I'm not sure what it is yet, and that's where folks like you and hopefully many others come in. See, here's the here's the thing: they're starting a petition. To create a sequel for Power Rangers. Do you know what the the petition that exists built into a movie is? Nope. Seeing the movie. That is true. By buying a ticket and going to the movie, you are signing a petition to make a sequel. Yeah, if a if a um, movie studio like they they know if it will make money or not. Like, exactly. Trust them. Like it by by you not going initially, you you know what the next petition that's going to come out for this is. Um, let me look at the date here. On June 13th, the movie comes out on digital HD. That's the next position mm-hmm. you sign. You sign with your wallet by buying the digital HD. On the 27th of June, you sign with your wallet by buying the Blu-ray. Or the 4K Blu-ray, if, you, if you're really that into Power Rangers. Or the DVD, if you only want to kind of support it. Um, but there, there is stuff to do to, do to get this movie made. Like... Besides complaints they're not making it, and then signing a petition saying, "Because here's what the thing is, when they get the petition, they're like, okay, how many? Let's break down this petition and see and compare that to ticket sales. Because it's easier to sign a petition than it is to go out and see the movie. Because you don't have to pay to sign a petition. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous. If if you if you make a petition to make a sequel to something, you don't understand how economics works as a concept. I I. I have complete confidence in that. So, just, if you really, really want to help make this movie happen, if you really care that much that you want to see Tommy Oliver and you want to see him adapt Green with Envy as a movie. Um, by the way, I know I was disparaging Power Rangers fans, but the fact that I name-dropped the five-episode arc that they're going to be uh, adapting into a movie that next. Is, yeah. um, weird. But, yeah, so if you, if you want to see them adapt that, go out. Buy the digital HD version of it. Buy the Blu-ray. Buy buy whatever you can. Buy the toys that no one wanted to buy. That's the other reason why they're not going to make it, because Power Rangers, at its core, like Star Wars, is a two-hour-long toy commercial. That's why they have versions in the costume, versions half in the costume where their face is exposed, and versions not in the costume, and versions completely in the costume. Then they also have the robots that fuse together. Because then you have to buy the robots, you can buy the Megazord, you can buy the Rangers. It's all things that you can buy to tell them you want a sequel. By not buying them, you're telling them not to invest the money in it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that, that that that's all I can really say about that. Um, personally, I hope to make the sequel because I don't know. Like, I went into that movie, I was entertained for two hours. Um, like what 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 would you? It's like. What do you expect from this? I, I still don't understand. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah. Um, next, uh, they did reveal the logo for the Bumblebee movie. It's a Bumblebee. That's all I have there. Um, we know like a like a real Bumblebee or like B like movie? a real Bumblebee. Cool. Um, we know who the cover athlete is for Madden 18, and I am sad to say, I cannot wait to watch Rocky Four, but with football, when the greatest of all time dies on the field. If there's one thing we know from Madden, it's the gods that run Madden. They're wrathful. Mm-hmm. Even if you aren't playing, stuff still happens to you. Brett Favre, his p- a picture of his dick ended up on the front page of the paper the year he ended up on the cover of Madden. Um, let's see. Every, the, the Madden curse is a very well-documented phenomenon. People who had a great season, then the next year have a bad season. To be fair, it could also be because if you end up on the cover of Madden, it means you had a really good year. Then the next year, that whole offseason, everyone knows how to figure how to beat you. And then, but but that's not the point. We know it's the Madden gods. So when you put Tom Brady, a forty-year-old quarterback with a history of injury, on the cover called, of Madden, the greatest of all time. Exa- the edition is the greatest of all time edition, the goat edition. And do you really not expect him to like not die on or career-ending injury at the at the minimum? Like. I, I don't think he'll survive the season at this point. Um, I Personally, and this is not coming as a Giants fan, this is just coming as, you know, someone who watched football last year, Ezekiel Elliott's uh-huh. been the cover athlete. Because, like, Tom Brady's good, and Tom Brady did have a great season. But people forget those first four games Tom Brady didn't play, and the Patriots still went 3-1. and one. And the Patriots were down to their third-string quarterback for one of those games. And Ezekiel Elliott played consistently well. And everyone points to Dak Prescott as being the the major point in the Cowboys lineup. That's not true. Without the solid running game from Ezekiel Elliott, they would not have been as good. Yeah, and also whenever... As evidenced by the fact that the Giants beat them twice. But yeah, whenever there was pressure on Dak Prescott, he fell apart and, like, shit himself on the field. Exactly. Like, the Giants shut down Ezekiel Elliott, and they couldn't run... And the, the Cowboys just collapsed in those games, and that's what the Cowboys lost in the playoffs. Ezekiel Elliott is the most valuable player in the league, I think, not Tom Brady, especially at 40. That's not to say Tom Brady's not the one of the greatest. I, th- I do think Tom Brady actually is one of the greatest players of all time. If not, I don't think he's the greatest. I, I think he's one of. He's in the top five. Um, But yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm still going to buy Madden anyways, and I have no impact on me buying it. Like I've never seen a cover athlete and be like, yeah, I'll skip this one. Um, but yeah, Tom Brady will be the cover athlete for the new um game. Uh, E3 is right around the corner at this point. We're only a little under a month away. Um, you hyped for E3? E3? Not particularly. Like, <laughs> I don't, video games don't really do it for me anymore. I'll do. I'll like eventually play maybe some of them. Right. I love video games. So E3 is like my favorite. Christmas. It's like my favorite time of year. No, Christmas is like Christmas. And then I have money to buy the video games they announced in E3. <laughs> um, okay, well, I did have a story about E3 and when Nintendo was going to have their conference, which they announced today, or announced within the last few days. Um, unfortunately, 
uh, comicbook.com is not working right now, so I do not have that information on it. Uh, the big E3 announcement, uh, according to a report, is a huge game people have been waiting 15 years for could be shown at E3 this year, but will not be coming out this year. It'll be coming out in 2018. That okay. game, Kingdom Hearts 3. I think it's been 10 years since Kingdom Hearts 2, and I've been sitting here waiting for this game, waiting for the day they announced a release date. Four years ago, they showed the first trailer for it, and I was like, they never, they actually didn't cancel this game. It's actually happening. And here we are four years later, and we have one other trailer for it, and it's showing him using Shotlock from uh, Birth by Sleep in a Tangled-themed world. And, Ooh. like, this should show you how sad the collective of the Kingdom Hearts fandom is when, at the end of 2.8, it leads directly into uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, 3. And you're just like, here we go. Let's start this. Let's go. And people paid fifty nine ninety nine for that. <laughs> including myself. And then a month later, paid another forty nine ninety nine. For 1.5 and 2.5 in HD in 60 frames per second, which is beautiful, by the way, the game. But uh, it, it, I, I bought those two games, 1.5 and 2.5, for the PS3. Then I bought them again a year later. That's how starved for content we are. Oh, how starved for content you are. Okay, the game did... I'm not the only person who bought this game. <laughs> so, it's not like... This one guy bought it, and all the other copies are taking up space somewhere. No, a lot of people bought this game, not just me. So Kingdom Hearts 3 will be coming out in 2018, according to this report, but they will be showing a trailer for it at E3. Um, at this point, they don't even need to show a trailer at E3. Either they can just show the logo and be like, we'll eventually release this game, and that'd be it. And he'll be like, awesome. I think that's all they need to do, to be honest. Um, so, so, yeah, that's... Uh, if you're if you're excited for Kingdom Hearts, then uh, strap yourself in for that. Um, this game Blockhood looks pretty fun. I'm, I'm gonna buy it. I think not today. Obviously, I don't have money, but eventually I'll buy it. Um, and anyway, on to this week's review. Uh, mm -hmm. Caligula. I thought of a good tagline for Caligula. What? You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll masturbate. Caligula. <laughs> um, I think. I think we said before, it's not a bad movie. It's just a okay. weird movie. It's a very intense movie. Um, this is the first time I watched all the way through because of past attempts of watch, trying to watch it. Like I was, it is. It's over two and a half hours. It's yeah, two and a half hours long. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't. And I would know like that. watch it at night and like fall asleep. So this is the first time I like watched it. It sounds it end. sounds weird when you say it's a porn. Like, I try to watch it at night, but I keep falling asleep. It's like, <laughs> um, it's not it's not a bad movie. I I keep saying it's not I, a bad movie. I think if Stephen Stanley Kubrick directed this movie, it would have done well. Hmm, I th I think the problem was the production by Penthouse. Yes, um, is oh, tore... this is a really weird connection that happened today. That is kind of crazy that it did. Okay, so I was listening to the podcast Team Tiger Awesome, which is Nick Mundy's podcast. Mm. And Hal Rudnick was a guest star on it. And one of the other co-hosts, the first improv show he ever saw was by Hal Rudnick a long time ago. And Hal Rudnick used to do a Bob Guccione impression, 
who's the <laughs> owner of Penthouse and the executive producer slash oh, yeah, second he, director he did, he of He was the Caligula. one who, who rewrote the script with uh, Malcolm McDowell, who actually did a very good job acting in this movie. Which the actors in this movie are good. Um, like, him Peter and the guy O'Toole who plays Tiberius is also good. Peter O'Toole, yeah. Helen Mirren is good. The sister is good. Yeah. Well, the sister actually is a point. Everyone... Yes, the, they cast a real actress at first, but then she was uncomfortable with the constant state of nudity, and it, so they were like, you're out. Well, I, I think the fact that you had to show your asshole for about 85% of the movie was a little bit of a... Uh... Right. It's a lot of on-screen assholes. Yes. Even Malcolm well, McDowell, those... something I never thought I would see is Malcolm McDowell's asshole. Yeah. I have a to live with this away, now. Literally, there's like... Whenever people talk about... Um, now, when people talk... If, ever, if anyone ever says... Oh, like Game of Thrones is so graphic and like shut up, pussy. Like, yeah, exactly. Watch Caligula. Like, this movie was released in a movie theater. <laughs> I think it was cut to hell in the it, movie theater. It depends on the movie theater because uh, God it's Bob still banned Guccione, in like seven countries. This movie, yes, it is. Bob Guccione was very smart, and he refu- he refused to let the MPAA look, uh, see the movie before he released it. Oh, it's, so it, it, it would have been it would have been a hard X. This movie. Yeah, that's because he said that X rating was demeaning, so he just released it as unrated. Hmm. What you could do back then, I don't know if you can still do it now. You can do it on home video release. I don't know if you can do it as. But I think Stanley Kubrick would have done well with this. Like in Eyes Wide Shut, there's like that giant orgy scene where it's like it's explicit but not too much. Like this movie goes way too far with the orgies. Like I think there's like there's a scene in the. Ba- I only got halfway through the movie before I was like, okay, I'm done now. And then I I started applying to uh, what's it called? Get my associates again. Um, did you did you were you watching it like in the background or did you shut it off? No, I turned it off completely. Like I was just like I I think oh, I got I, I think I, I got past the fisting scene, and I was yes, like oh. fisting <laughs> slash rape scene. Did yeah. you get to this? Wait, wait. Did you get to the scene where he sets up? A brothel of the with the senators' wives. No, I didn't get that scene. That scene is fucking. That's the craziest scene in the whole movie, because there's literally like intermixed throughout that whole scene are like full on blowjobs that you're just watching. Hmm. See, that's that's the problem. Like I I said earlier, like you've you've heard of fan cuts, and we're eventually going to talk about the fan cut, the No Justice cut of Batman v Superman. Um. Hmm. But a fan cut is when you see a movie and you're like, I think I could make this better with editing. In which you can change entire tones of a movie and trailers with editing. Like, there's a great video. One, it's a weird. I don't feel like I feel like you to watch this movie. You do need all of that in it. Like that's part of what this movie is. Is like the craziness of just watching like a movie and then it's just like like the uh, the, the part where um there's that mouth in his bedroom that people like look in. And he's just fine with it. But uh, there's a even... part where there's the lesbian like the, sex scene. Like you can you can cut the entire opening scene out of him Which and is... the sister just kind of like frolicking for like five minutes. Except up his relation is like he's all happy and like young. I yeah, like but here's the, you don't need to you don't need to put that scene in because the, the, the nature of their assholes. relationship. Well, yeah, that too. But the nature of their relationship is established in literally the next scene. Yeah, but oh, you don't whole... know their brother and sister in the opening scene. Okay, but the thing is, it's not so like, it's, like you, it's not oh. like it's a big reveal later in the movie. It's a big reveal in the next scene where we we come into the messing That's around. It, in my, bed. Um, yeah, that is kind of true. Where it's like 
it, it, there, there's no shining away from what they're doing in the bed in the in that scene, where you can cut the That's entire true. first scene can be omitted completely. But um, it's like fun and outdoorsy and like frolicky. It like shows how innocent he was. I don't know. I feel like that you could you still could have cut that out completely, like and, and not really. But the scene it. I'm talking about, I recommend going back just to watch this boat scene, because um, mm-hmm. it's also about him. This is like when his advisors decide all to turn against him. Because he builds this giant arc, and then because um, the Senate annoys him, so he's like, "We need to give back to the people." And also, he the Rome was going bankrupt, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I felt I know a way to fund." Um, I figured out a way to fund like this, uh, Rome, basically. So he forces all the senators' wives to become prostitutes. Because he's like, "Who are the biggest?" He's like, "Who are the biggest whores of Rome?" The senators' wives. So he char- he charges everyone five gold pieces to have sex with any of the senators' wives. Nice. And then that's just like on this giant arc. And then he forces the army to like dance around like the arc as it's going on. And then it like cuts between him like doing the speech, and, like the army dancing, and like blowjobs like really fast. So like that kind of works. But then you watch you watch a blowjob to completion. Like <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things. Like you you watch a, there's like, multiple. There was- Earlier in the movie, before it's, I cut out, there's the scene where it's just like it's just an establishing shot of a guy jerking off, and he finishes, and she's like, "Okay, thanks." And then she's cause that's her skin therapy. I'm just like, okay, that's uh, like, Marcus's wife, I think, who he mar- he's gonna marry. Mm-hmm. But like, I think um, there was a, I think my biggest problem with this movie actually is the giant sets. Like each scene yeah, takes place in these looked- giant rooms. And it actually, it's confusing. Well, here's the thing: is it's like it, it's all it's it, it's designed almost like it's a stage play, like you're watching a stage play. But if you look at any established yeah, shot hard. in a room, there's no fourth wall, which I mean, obviously because there's a camera there. But like in most scenes like that, there'd be you'd be able to see all the parts of the room. But like I'm thinking of like that that first scene after the bathhouse, where he's walking around with uh, oh, with three stories yeah up, like through like, the first orgy scene that that whole scene just it feel it felt minus the orgies very shakespearean yeah because even when it is close up it still feels like you're in this giant room yeah but there's like not really any details in the background so it's very confusing to follow like i had trouble in the beginning figuring out where they were or like when they were in rome or not in rome and but like the whole thing where he's talking about <laughs> how like yeah, you like I, I will die, and then you will kill your brother, and then someone will kill you, and the cycle goes on and on, and like it, it felt like it felt like Julius Caesar. Well, like, it is Julius Caesar is like well, no, no, I mean the play right? Julius Caesar. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> like it felt like that. It felt like it. It felt like Macbeth a lot. Like yeah. then it's like the the bathhouse scene, like. That 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 weird part where he's like do the dance that you used that you did when you were five, like yeah, that, that that's something that, that, you, that you could have seen out of I forgot what book it was, but it was it was like there was a scene similar in one of his plays. I forgot which one though. Um, but like the whole thing is written very much like a play, but without the I- iambic pentameter to have the delivery. And it's a lot more well. just hardcore sex. Well, yeah, that that too. Like, I'm trying to avoid talking about that because there's only so much it, like you can do, but like. Like that's the problem.